Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. So we're going to be in the book of Psalms this uh, today. The book of Psalms is actually pretty easy to find if you're in a paper Bible. It's toward the middle of the Bible. It's one of the bigger books. There's 150 chapters in the book of Psalms. We're going to be in the first chapter of Psalms. And just, I'm going to try to get an introductory thought pretty quickly so we can get into the meat of the talk. It was March 4th. I was in Upper Michigan, and in March 4th, on March 4th, Upper Michigan, it's still really winter-ish, right? Things, but I was on a path, and I was walking through the woods on a pretty clear path, and I, and I noticed, I don't know if you can see this well, but there was a tree that in the midst of everything there was brown. It was a miracle. It was like this miracle tree. And at first I thought, well, it must be kind of a, an off-centered evergreen somewhere, because there weren't evergreens around. I thought, well, must. And I actually went through the woods, and it actually had green leaves March 4th. It was kind of weird, and I remember taking a picture of it, found the picture. So it's an example. It was an example for me of a, a very unusually alive tree. Another example was in uh, Colorado. Don't know what happened there. Colorado for some meetings, but my wife and I had an afternoon and we went hiking in Boulder, Colorado. Here's a picture of, we were at the Royal, that's me up there. I'm actually just levitating there. It's a trick I do. Uh, but it was a beautiful place. And uh, next picture, we were standing next to this rock face. There was actually some people, some uh, real climber people going to go up the side of that thing. I started to try. My wife said, please don't. I said, okay, because uh, we had meetings, you know, later in the day. I thought, well, okay, we'll stay alive for that. Anyway, one of the things that I noticed, upper right-hand corner, in the midst of, can I just, it's a total giant big rock. There are trees growing out of the rocks. And so those two examples uh, inspired me to come up with this term. (laughs) It's exceptionally vibrant. Those trees were exceptional, and I made this up, but it's a thing. It's something that has an unusual capacity to live well, even when most other things are not living well. It's like notably alive. And I think it's a thing in life Most of us might be able to think of a friend, a person we know that in an area of life, they tend to be exceptionally vibrant. My friend Carl, who's in his 60s and still weighs the same as he did in high school. Who hates him? Yeah. And can still, we golf every once in a while. When we golf every once in a while, a ball doesn't go in the right direction. And uh, I've noticed this multiple times. He'll go, oh, I'll run over and get that ball (laughs) way over there. And he still runs kind of like a gazelle. In the 60s, 
he's exceptionally vibrant physically, I think, for his age. Maybe you know someone who's exceptionally vibrant emotionally. They're like just a little mess happy all the time. And, and I think of one person here at the church, and, I, and I've talked to her about this. I don't think she struggles with sadness like hardly ever, like a lot of us do. She's exceptional in that area. Another friend, uh, two friends of mine, a couple, and I think they are exceptionally vibrant financially. They, I have never been with them when they did not have uh, plenty of money and were not so willing and leaning into generosity. You know anybody, like, they just thrive in that area of life. So, exceptionally vibrant. A little bit of a turn here. I would submit to you that God's hope and heart for all of us is that we would be exceptionally vibrant in a world that is often kind of brown or less than brown, you know, kind of hard, challenging, not so vi- Is that the world you live in, right? Not so vibrant all the time. Let me give you a couple of verses. Isaiah 40, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will, get a load of this picture, they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That's kind of exceptionally vibrant. John 10, 10, you may have heard of this verse. If you've been around the church or study the Bible much at all, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And he goes on to say about himself, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The New Living Translation says it this way. He says of himself, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That sounds exceptionally vibrant. So here's the big question. How? <laughs> how, do we, how do we do that? And the first thing I would say is there are probably multiple things. Amen? Life is, anybody feel like life is a little complex? There's not just one thing that we're going to do to be exceptionally vibrant. But we're going to talk about something today that is a key to it from a spiritual sense and will affect all of our life, and it has to do with our relationship and interaction with this book, the Bible. And for generations, they called it the Holy Bible. I don't know what happened to that. The Holy Bible. Let me hit you with some scriptures about this book. Hit, I'm going to hit you with some scriptures. It's the first time I've ever said that. Well, I said it last night, and then earlier, I'm like, I kind of like that. I put in my notes. Hit them with some scriptures. Okay, let me hit you with some scriptures. <laughs> I don't know why. Sometimes I am so entertaining to myself. Just mention it. Exceptionally entertaining 
to myself. Okay, so here's what it says. 2 Timothy 3, 16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful. That's what it says about this book, the Holy Bible. It says, So that the servant of God may be thoroughly, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That sounds exceptional. Hebrews 4.12 describes the Word of God as alive and active. That'll empower your life. Isaiah 55.10, new, uh, new Bible verses for me. Just came across these. It says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and Making, get it, making it bud and flourish. So you get the picture? Like the rain comes down from heaven and it makes the earth, right, bud and flourish. And it goes on to say, so is my word. It's a powerful book to impact our lives. So hold those thoughts. We're in this series called Six Habits. Pursuing the Exceptional Spiritual Life. Today I'm going to try to encourage you in your Bible study, your Bible reading. So some of you might be thinking, oh great, a talk about why we should read our Bible. Yes. <laughs> and, but I would encourage you, don't tune out because you may have heard things. I think there might be a couple fresh things in this. And most of us, not all of us, but most of us kind of know... We probably ought to read this book, but if you live in my world, it's not always that easy to be faithful to read this book. Anybody willing to confess that? Like we think, yes, I should do that, but, but it's not all that easy. There's opposition to it. Life is hard. It's complex. We have duty, right? And so I think some of the things we're going to talk about today might encourage us in our hearts. Now, some of you are great at this all the time, but the rest of us, we need encouragement. I think they'll be encouraging. So, we're going to uh, explore Psalm 1, first three verses. Here's what it says. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, that's great wisdom, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. When this was written, the written word of God was probably the first five books of the Old Testament, right? But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. And here's why I picked this verse. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. The title of the talk is Bible Reading, The Uncommon Power of Sacred Scriptures. And I want to uh, offer you two keys to how to approach this book to get the most life out of it, and I think they'll be encouraging to you. Basically, we're going to explore... Um, what it is to be an exceptional Bible reader. So let me pray. And uh, hopefully 
God will help us and you'll be encouraged. So God, help us and encourage us, I pray. Talk to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Two ideas from the text. The exceptional Bible reader, this is a fill in the blank if you want to write it down, approaches it with happy anticipation. This is going to be kind of a happy point. Happy anticipation. The thing that I noticed from the text comes in verse 2. Right? Blessed is the one who doesn't do these things, but whose... And then he uses this word, delight. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Whose delight is in the scriptures and, and interacting with... Whose delight... Now, here's what happened in me. I would have thought the Bible would have used a different D word. Like, whose diligent in reading the word or who is disciplined about their bible study or who is who is skilled at dissecting the law right that's what i thought it would say but it doesn't it uses this word delight and the word here really does mean delight it's a happy kind of word it looks like this in the in the uh, hebrew it means delightful precious and pleasing doesn't this feel good it means it means delightful precious and pleasing and something we easily desire that's a that is not a burdensome heavy picture when it comes to approaching this book it is supposed it is those who ends up being like a tree by streams with leaves that are forever green, they approach this book with happy anticipation. It's like, yeah, let's do that. Delight. Last weekend was Mother's Day weekend. Went to my daughter's to celebrate uh, Mother's Day my, and kind of celebrate my wife. So it's after church. Did a cookout, had some chicken, and had some uh, salad, and we had all this stuff. It was really good. And at the end, I forget who said it, but someone said, who wants cake? <laughs> Did someone just say, yeah? Like, yeah. Okay, sorry, I wasn't actually offering you cake now. It's a story about what happened. But I'll get maybe later. Does anybody have any cake in their purse? They want some cake. Um, but anyway... So cake around our family is typically, my wife makes the cake. She is really good at making cake. So at her own Mother's Day celebration, she made her own cake. Just to get an example of what my wife's cakes can look like, this is a cake she made. It's like four, like it's like cake, serious cake. And sometimes like there's surprises in her cake. So we cut into this cake and there were the little chocolate robin eggs. Ah, I'm actually... Starting to salivate just a little bit, I think. Okay. Anyway, so when, back to the table, when someone said, who wants cake? Can I just tell you, when someone said, who wants cake? Nobody was thinking, well, I guess we should. <laughs> since it's Mother's Day. She, right? That's not the way we approach the opportunity to have cake. And then when they said, and ice cream, no one went, well, do I have to? Because I, does that, 
No. And so I'm connecting that thought, that word picture, to the idea of it was delightful to think I have an opportunity to eat cake and ice cream. Transferring that to that's kind of the picture of the person that is like a tree planted by streams of water. They have an unusually favorable outlook toward, oh yes, I get to spend time in God's Word. So this brings up a question. It's also a fill in the blank. What is my emotional approach to Bible time? Is it... I have an amazing God-given opportunity to he to read the history of God's people, God's interaction, to receive from him encouragement and wisdom and direction. Do I go, this is the best thing ever. I've got time to do this. Or is it, well, I guess I should, because if don't want to make God mad. And what I'm hoping for in even presenting this is just a shift from, by the way, discipline and Bible study and all those things are good things, but I think, maybe, actually think, yeah, the enemy of our soul has taken something and instead of making it, instead of us seeing this as like a love letter from a God who cares, bringing help to us into a something way less or even worse. I, I was sad last weekend. I talked to a person, and I've heard stories like this. It went something like this. They were trying to have a family member come and visit church. They're really enjoying the church, but it's difficult for their family member to come to church because when they were growing up, this is what they described. It was something like this. When they were growing up, their parents would discipline them by if they did something wrong, they would make them read their Bible. Now, and I don't know the heart that's in the parent. I'm, you know, I'm sure they were trying to do, but I remember when they shared the story and think, God, oh, I don't think that was in the heart of God when he, ha he inspired people to pen this book to make it a punishment when you do something wrong. It's supposed to be, folks are supposed to be a lot more delight than that. By the way, if you want to do a little extra Bible reading, you might explore Nehemiah 8. By the way, you could, uh, Nehemiah, great book in the Bible. It's, it's not very many chapters. You could read the whole, whole book in one sitting. Just read it like a story. It's kind of a cool story. Um, the Israelites, God's people, were taken over by the Babylonians. And because of their kind of enslavement thing, they were separated from Jerusalem and so many of the, the things that connected them with God. So anyway, in the story, eventually they get back to their hometown, Jerusalem, and someone finds the, 
scriptures and they set aside a day to read the Bible publicly, which has not been done for generations. And they were reading. And it says that as, here, here it'll come up, verse will come up. It says that all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. I don't know for sure, but I don't think they were weeping thinking, stop it, I hate this. I think they were weeping because they were reminded and refreshed with the stories of God. So let me give you some hints on how to approach this, with, this book with happy anticipation. These are things that help me. A lot of the things that, that I talk about here at the church are things I'm not great at. But this delighting in the law and the word of God, I'm, I'm not half bad at it. This is, I, arguably many of my days, the best moments of my day are when I'm just getting to read this book. So here's some hints. These are things that help me because I can start to not enjoy it. First, pray first. Just pray first. Pause, pray. God, I'm going to read the scripture. Help me open my eyes. Just say a prayer. Second thing, don't rush. Don't rush, if at all possible. Back when I was delighting in my wife's cake, I didn't eat that all in one bite. I didn't say, yeah, give me the cake. Okay, we're done. Right? That's not the way you eat great cake. Right? You go, oh. Right? You do that. And then you're, oh, wait. And then you mix. Oh, I'm getting it all into this cake now. Like, and you, you take your time, and like, I cut just, as, just the right amount of cake with just the right amount of frosting. Do you do that? Sorry, I'm on a real cake tangent here. But because it's so, you don't do, okay, but back to the Bible. Right, don't rush. Make sure if, is with as much as is in you, set yourself up so you don't have to rush. And the, the last thing is imagine God smiling. Because I think he probably does. Whenever we sit, and think, I'm going to read the Bible. And I'm going to, by the way, this read the Bible is also being connected with God. It's not unlike if, if someone, some of you won't relate to this at all. Years ago in a land far away, people used to write people letters. Some of you, no one even remembers that. Anybody remember getting a letter? Four of us old people are going, I got a, I got a letter once, back, right? So I'm trying to think of what that's like. Did, do you remember? But when someone sent you a personal letter, it was a connecting point to the person who wrote the letter. It felt a little different maybe than emails. But, okay. i got to get on here to the second point. So that was the exceptional Bible reader approaches it with, hung, with happy, I just said hungry, anticipation. <laughs> what time is it? Somebody throw me a cupcake. All right, second point. The exceptional Bible reader consumes it liberally. And I'm not talking about politics here. I'm talking about consumes it a lot. Just doesn't put limitations. Takes a lot of it in at this, whenever you can. We'll get back to the text. But first, story about Jason. I think Jason's in this service. I think I saw Jason come out. There you go. Yeah, that's where you always sit. There's Jason. Uh, here's a picture of Jason, just so you don't have to look at him over there. Anyway, there's Jason. I stole, stole that. I, I don't know. I creeped you on Facebook or something, found that picture. 
Is that what you call it? Yeah, stalking you, man. Anyway, he and I uh, have become friends. He's a newer Christian, and so we've been getting together and reading the Bible, and he's been reading the Bible. Anyway, we met this week, and we talked about some of the challenges of reading the Bible because his life's getting busy. He's a landscaper, busy time of year. And so we, uh, we talked about listening to the Bible, and I introduced him to some Bible apps where some of you may not know this. You can just listen to the Scripture. And so we were working through these things, and he said something like, this is cool, and we were downloading them. This is going to be so great. And then he made this comment. He, he said, a lot of times, I'm in my truck like three, four, five hours a day sometimes, and my interpretation of that is he's thinking, I may listen to like three hours of the Bible today. And of course, I said, don't do that. It'll totally screw up your life. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Right? We wouldn't. That would be a phenomenal thing if we just decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to this entire book of the Bible today. Now, some of you are like, that's way overboard. You don't want to, no, 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 my grandma told me to read a verse. I'm going to go on a little grandma tangent. Some of us have been duped. I don't think anybody did intentionally, but someone discipled us or initiated us into the Christian faith and gave us a little booklet and said, now every day you should do a devotional. And you read this book, it'll take you about five minutes. And here's what I'd love to do with that. I'd like to blow that idea up and get back to the verse and say, how about, let's get back to the verse. Delighting in it. I think it says, you know who the tree that's planted by streams of water, right? Meditates on his law five minutes in the morning over coffee. No, if you want vibrancy, day and night. Here's the idea. Fill in the blank. When God gave us his written word, his intention was more than a devotional moment. Yeah. And we're going to finish our time looking at a verse that I think illustrates our need and the opportunity to do more than just nibble at this book. There's a verse, Psalm 119, 105. Describes God's word. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Lamp for my feet, a light on my path. It brings the question to my mind, how much light do I need to navigate life? And you know what I need? A ton. A ton. Think of some of the areas of responsibility you have. How much wisdom do you need to perform your job in a godly way? You need a ton of light. How much light do we need to navigate uh, relationships with other people in a godly way? A little bit of light, a little pen light, 
No, man, God, will you light this up? Because this is complicated. How, many, how much light do we need to walk through life emotionally and not end up on a lot of medication just to get out of bed in the morning? We need the light of God. Part of the, yeah, we're going there. Part of the, part of the problems we're seeing culturally probably is because we lack the light we need to navigate the world that God created. He knows how to get through this. He's given us instructions and inspiration in here. But I feel like sometimes we're trying to get through it with this little bitty, I just take a little bit of light. And it's like going through a dark woods. You're walking through a dark woods. Man, if you're going to go through a dark woods with tree branches and all kinds of stuff, what kind of light do you need? You need more than a little pen light. Right? You'd just be busting your forehead on some branch unless you have, you need headlight. You get what I'm saying? That's why this book, the opportunity of having this book, is such a huge blessing in our life. Because we need a bunch of light. And it's in here. So we'll finish up with the last fill in the blank. Is there something I can do to increase my Bible consumption? It's a great question. Probably for most of us, the answer is yeah. And the hope with this talk is that we will. I'm going to finish with a couple ideas in case... You could use some help in Bible time and those things. We have two classes. One class is called Digging Deep, Ways to Study the Bible. This class has already started, but there's two more weeks. And I talk to spiritual development people. You can get in. Part of each class uh, is about discovering new techniques in Bible study. So that might be helpful. You can still get in on that. Go to the website. Sign up for that. Another class is coming in a couple weeks. It's called You Explore. It's Prayers of Jesus. And in this class, there will be teaching on different Bible study methods as well. Those are things that can help us in our Bible time. The other thing is uh, four apps that people that are way more technologically advanced than I am. I said, what four apps should we put on the screen. And by the way, if you want to take a picture of that and explore these, I personally use Bible Gateway, and at times we'll listen to huge sections of Scripture. I just, I just let that guy just read it to me like a story. But there are so many wonderful things about technology regarding how we should and could thrive spiritually with all the opportunities there. So if those things can be helpful to you. Let us know. And if you are really new to the Bible and uh, would like some help, uh, email us at the church. Just say, I'm new at the Bible. Can anyone help me? And we'd be glad to set up a time, have coffee, introduce you to some ways to uh, look at the Bible. And, or we could talk to you over the phone and say, here's where I would start. Stuff like that. Got it? Why don't you stand? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.